Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Will you commit here today for a peaceful transferal of power after the election? Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that so uh, some remarkable things that actually can be both shocking and not surprising at the same time considering that they come from donald trump but Mika, um you there you had the president of the united states yeah. yesterday saying uh that he would not commit to a peaceful transfer of power that was a question so so let's let's again say that for the first time in the history of this republic you have a president of the United States who will not commit to a peaceful transfer of power. At the same time, he's asking Republicans to lie their con to their constituents and go back on what they said four years ago and promised four years ago and ran through a Supreme Court justice. Why? Because he needs that Supreme Court justice to vote for him on any uh, election disputes that he stirs up. That's... Um, that is uh, pretty much a five-alarm fire. I've seen Democrats, even Joe Biden's former primary rival, step up and go public with their efforts to ensure that Trump doesn't steal this election. Senator Bernie Sanders tells the New York Times ahead of a speech he plans to give this week that we're at a dangerous moment for the country and that he plans to mount an aggressive campaign against Donald Trump's efforts. Quote, Mr. Sanders said he would spend the next six weeks urging the country to prepare for a nightmare scenario in which Mr. Trump declares himself the winner of the election and refuses to step down even if he loses. And adding to that urgency, Michael Bloom. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to announce another victory here. I'm kind of getting tired of winning. Just sent it out to the, uh, the team, you guys to watch, Raheem and uh, Jack Maxey. From Axios, breaking, remember Axios is the site that's the site of the globalists uh, run by Mike Allen, good guy, but a globalist, um, that uh, has the HBO show, which had Hawkfish on there talking about the fifth scenario, that fifth scenario is Donald Trump's up with 404 electoral votes on game day. Well, we're here to tell the audience of War Room Pandemic that Axios is breaking a story. Headline, Democrats mail voting pivot that the Democrats are now all in in a last-minute scramble to guess what? Try to get their voters to go to the polls on the 3rd of November. You don't need a bigger tell than that. Victory begets victory. Okay? Note to Democrats, your propaganda machine that caused the mass hysteria that uh, traumatized 
your low information voter base. You can't unwind it. It's too late. Okay? 69% of Democrats want to hide in their rabbit holes and vote by carrier pigeon or smoke signal or Western Union telegram or illegal vote by the pound mail ballots, right? That are going to be ballot harvested by outside groups, have drop boxes, you know. This is because, hey, they're just mailing their, you know, the requested uh, absentee ballot to the person's home, right? If that was the case, there wouldn't be problems. But that's not what's happening here. Raheem and Jack, I uh, want to get your thoughts now on this new Axios story. They're in panic mode, right? They're right. For, for Joe Scarborough and that ilk, it's a five-alarm fire. And here's the five-alarm fire. They're looking down the barrel, not just the four million new gun owners, right, new guns. They're looking down the barrel of another four years of an off-the-chain Donald J. Trump, okay? That's what they're looking at. Reality starting to set in. That's where they're in panic mode. That's why you see all this heated rhetoric. Election night is dangerous. That's a dangerous concept. You know, we have to have election week or election month. Or how about this? We just keep counting illegal ballots until they become the victor. You know, it's so great. And hashtag war and pandemic, I'll get to it in a second. Uh, uh, one of our, one of our uh, listeners and viewers that just picked up, there's been hundreds of them, but I want to highlight one in a second. But I want to turn back to war and pandemic on uh, what were episode 402, 404, 404, lucky 404. It's the same electoral vote number that Hawkfish says Trump's going to have on election night that they're going to overturn in two or three weeks. That's the ironic mind right there. Um, the, um, but I want to turn back to and thank all our distribution partners. John Frederick Radio Network, Real America's Voice, Dish Channel 219, Comcast Channel 113, and of course, the team at Newsmax TV and always G News and G Media that have made it such a massive international show. I want to thank the, uh, the folks in Australia, folks in China. We know the show has gotten a little bit about the election, but like I told the Germans and the Polish, you know, the last two days, they'd come in and hear my talk on stealing the 2020 election. This election affects the world, every nook and cranny of it, right? And this great, uh, this great conflict we're now having with the Chinese Communist Party to take down the CCP. So Raheem, I want to go first to you about the Axios story, then get Jack Max to win before we start talking about the numbers on the pandemic. Yeah, welcome to War and Pandemic 2020 Impeachment 2021. Um, look, there's there's all of it playing together right now, and especially with the pandemic and the way that the media is shaping the stories around the pandemic and the second wave and the 200,000, etc., etc. And I do want to get into some of the numbers later on in the show as well um, about how, remember, we were told 2.2 million at the outset and the media hyping 200,000 is some kind of failure. Of this administration but nonetheless um, this story in Axios what it tells you off the bat is that not only have the Democrats way overestimated the bureaucratic capability of dealing uh, with the mail-in ballots the, the mass unsolicited mail-in ballots they also way overestimated theirs and their media allies abilities to connect with voters over this issue and and we've seen now that there's been a spate, and Axios actually has some bullet points on this, a spate of different rulings and different um, developments on the mail-in and absentee voter front 
that actually makes their campaign strategy on this completely untenable from an, uh, uh, an electoral perspective, from a mathematical perspective. Uh, they may be finally waking up to reality with this thing. And Steve, you probably shook them awake with, with, with all of your heckling of them on this point. But the one thing I think that sticks out to me here is the fact that they're scoring another own goal with this. There's no way to avoid it for them. I'm not criticizing uh, them for doing so, but they set it up to be the case. Uh, and that own goal is this. Voters were already skeptical of the Democrats' insistence that it was dangerous to vote in person. When they're able to go to Walmart and they're able to go uh, to eat out at the moment, they're able to go, uh, you know, uh, hang out in the parks and they're seeing all these protests taking place all over the place. Uh, people are skeptical and have been skeptical that the Democrat mantra of you may not vote in person had any real uh, medical or health related legitimacy. They're now further undermining their legitimacy by saying, actually, scratch everything we had just said. Uh, you can go and vote and you should go and vote in person. At the same time, by the way, that they'll be telling you there's a second wave of the coronavirus out there. So it's really going to lead to some serious cognitive dissonance amongst people who might have been leaning their way. Steve, this is me. I, also I want to tell our audience. Yeah, Jack, can I work for I'm going to come to you in a second. I just want to tell our audience, this is the power of the war and pandemic audience, right? These guys now have been all in for months on the vote by mail. This is how they were going to do it. They, didn't, they knew that people weren't going to show up. They knew they were traumatized. They saw the Democratic primaries in, in New York uh, where everybody wanted to vote by mail, 69%. They had 30% uncertifiable ballots in Brooklyn, 20% in Manhattan, and these are Democratic primaries run by Democrats with no Republicans involved, okay? They went all in on the mail. They got the war room set up. They got lawyers. They got Eric Holder. They got Perkins Coy. And guess what? Epic fail. They're now pivoting. Axios, the mouthpiece of this, the one, the guys that put Hawkfish on TV on HBO in primetime to drive the news cycle the next day two weeks ago. To say, hey, there's a fifth scenario here. They caught the red mirage. No, you're wrong. It's a bold red fact. Donald Trump's going to win on the third. So in the last minute now, they're in full panic mode. Axios is reporting it, and this is because of the audience of the American Lao Beijing. Old hundred names, right? Your shoulders to the wheel. You're on fire. They see that you're signing up 50,000 poll watchers, election officials everywhere. Right, lawyers signing up for Trump every day. The right media now on what's the story is? Screw Drudge. Right, we got Revolver, we got National Pulse, you got Gateway Pundit. Right, the American people are now woke to what your plan is—the plan to steal the 2020 election. And now you're scrambling to get guys to come to the polls. Hey, let me give you a five-alarm fire, Joe Scarborough, to light that whatever that's on top of your head. This is a head of hair, Joe. What you got, don't know, baby. Bizarro. Okay, kind of, I, I should never get on guys. I've always said I'm, I'm better than that, but sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm not. Jack Maxey, thoughts, observations? Well, listen, I mean, I think that we've got to realize that the biggest problem that they've created for themselves is these mail-in ballots. You're watching many, many states are starting to have these little hiccups. Arkansas, there's a lawsuit right now by the League of Women Voters. They claim that if they reject a uh, mail-in ballot because the signatures don't match, that the individual should have the right to contest that. 
Well, I got to say, that to me, I think, would uncover a lot of voter fraud there, particularly when you start seeing people not showing up to contest their signatures because they're not their signatures. That's a problem. Pennsylvania now has a deal where if you don't stick the the ballot inside the security envelope, they're going to kick those ballots out. They estimate if that had occurred in the 2016 election, they would have lost 100,000 ballots. So the Democrats are starting to realize the weakness of their plan, and I think that they've over given overconfidence to their base, particularly because of this fear concerning the pandemic, that they don't need to show up. Now, the beautiful thing is Donald Trump supporters are going to show up in mass, just like they do for his rallies, just like they do for boat and car parades. And we're going to win this thing, I believe, if we just stick to the plan. Yeah, but this is Jack, Jack Maxey, I think, now to Raheem. I want to go back to you. I mean, this is the thing. People are now woke. And this is the National Pulse war and pandemic in the last couple of months. Being on this, and hey, here's the reason I was never going to go back to the campaign. The campaign's got a fabulous team, don't need help. Months ago, we saw something that was happening in the pandemic, our ability to monitor this pandemic. And that was the mass hysteria of the media that was not fact-based, not evidence-based, right? You see Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon every night, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon, the touchdown twins, like, you know, psycho, right? And they scared people. So Raheem, uh, you know, tell me your thought. By the way, Gates yesterday, Gates yesterday, and I've got a, we've got a very special out today we're going to do in honor of Axios, in honor of Joe Scarborough and Money Joe, our favorites. Right, we got a very special out. So we got about 30 seconds, Raheem. Tell us uh, what your thoughts are, particularly about Gates yesterday outing Bloomberg in this illegal effort to try to go uh, go steal votes in Florida. That's right, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about the signal versus the noise. Congressman Gates here yesterday in studio, really, really channeling uh, uh, into the signal, talking about the potential criminal investigation that was coming up as a result of what is very clearly an attempt by Michael Bloomberg and Michael Bloomberg's team. And it shouldn't just be Bloomberg and the organization. I want to see every single member of that team who put this plan together to effectively bribe voters, to bribe felons, in Florida to vote a particular way as a result of getting their uh, getting their, their their bills paid by Mayor Bloomberg. I mean, this I've said it so many times, Steve. Uh, hey, let me jump in. I got this break. This is an honor. Access and Morning Joe. We got a special hour. We're gonna be back in a moment. With Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Jack Maxey in the War Room, Capitol Hill, sitting with Raheem Kassam. We've got Steve up in New York. I'm going to go over some new uh, figures that came out of the CDC today describing the fatality rates of COVID-19. But first, I wanted to touch upon... This discussion about Bloomberg paying off people's fines, paying off people's court costs, et cetera, so that these felons in Florida can get an opportunity to vote. And one of the things that I wanted to point out about this is, to me, it seems to describe the very sick relationship that minority populations in America have with the Democratic Party. 
Let's remember who put those people in jail to begin with. There was an interesting article that came out last fall in the New York Times called Lock the SOBs Up, Joe Biden and the Era of Mass Incarceration. He now plays down his role overhauling crime laws with segregationist senators in the 80s and 90s. Now, remember, this article was written when Joe Biden was still seeking uh, the nomination. And Biden says this. This is what he says. He says the truth is, this is right before the 1994 bill. He says the truth is every major crime bill since 1976 that's come out of this Congress, every minor crime bill that has the name of the Democratic senator from the state of Delaware on it, Joe Biden, he said that. George Bush was not doing enough to get violent thugs off the street, and he wanted our predators off the streets. Who do you think he was talking about? When you look at incarceration rates after that 1994 crime bill, which Donald Trump has done many things to try and turn back and release some of these victims of these overzealous prosecutions, this was Joe Biden's baby. So now you're taking these tens of thousands of felons in Florida who largely got sent to jail by Joe Biden and his policies, and now Bloomberg's going to pay their fees so they can go vote for Joe Biden? What is this? This is like a Stockholm syndrome here, and I find it very odd. Now I'm going to go into the CDC numbers, and this sort of describes the Stockholm syndrome that all of America is having. CDC released these uh, fatality numbers today uh, concerning the death rates for COVID-19, and I think they're quite shocking, and I think a number of people are going to find them very shocking. Let me get them up here. I apologize. I'm a little bit behind. Okay, so when you look at people who are 0 to 19, okay, the fatality rate, if you should get COVID-19 and you are between the ages of 0 and 19, there will be three deaths per 100,000 infected. Three deaths. For small children, this is probably well below seasonal influenza. If you are 20 to 49 and you get the disease, out of 100,000 people infected, 20 people will die. If you are between the ages of 50 and 69, 500 people per 100,000 who get the disease will die, theoretically. Now, if you are 70 plus, that number goes up to 5,400. And why are these numbers important? Because I have said from the very beginning of this show, one of the greatest responsibilities of this government was to tell the American people exactly what their individual risk profile would be for this disease. So now what we can see is that there is absolutely no reason to shut the schools. There is basically no reason for anybody who is in good health and under 60 to be very afraid of this disease. And yet the Democrats and certain other elements in our society continue to want to stoke absolute fear where this is concerned. And I think we are doing a great disservice to the country. I think we're doing a great disservice to ourselves simply as Americans. We are not a country that is brought up to live in fear. We would have never gotten across the Appalachian Mountains if we had the same attitude that is being promoted by the Democrat Party today in terms of this virus. It is high time, in my opinion, 
that we start to back down on this and do what we should have done eight months ago, which is circle up the people who are 70 and above and let the people who are below that age go about their lives and take precautions as they see fit. Now, one thing we've seen around the world, you, you know, and I know that I've been a big defender of Sweden, and thank God I was because I've been proven correct. Now, one of the things that we've always said with this virus is the attempt for these shutdowns, etc., was to try to flatten the curve, to reduce the number of hospitalized patients so that our healthcare system could be protected. Now, what that does not change is that the number of infected underneath that curve remains the same, whether that curve is a six-month curve, a two-month curve, or a year-long curve. Now, when we look at the Sweden, the example of Sweden, they had one big spike. It's gone completely down. They looked like they were having a much worse situation than other areas. But now they have the same case fatality rate as the United States, crying out loud, and they did nothing. They have a lower case fatality rate than many other European countries, and yet they did nothing. They simply had their individual citizens act responsibly. What a crazy idea. This used to be what Americans used to do. We used to be the kind of people that we were given freedom because we had the responsibility to exercise it. And now what are we becoming? We are becoming sheep. We are becoming pawns. And I think it's high time that we end this. And I think one of the things that people are not paying too much attention to are the number of lawsuits that are coming out against these various governors, various states. There was a very important lawsuit that came out last week against the governor of Pennsylvania, essentially overriding all of his pandemic shutdown rules. And the judge made a very good comment. He said, our constitutional rights do not end because there is danger out there. And I think this is something that we all have to understand. This election really is we are going to be tilting towards tyranny because these Democrats, they, they've got a taste of the action. They can tell people to put masks on and they'll do it. They can tell people to stay in their basements and they'll do it. You think this is this, just the end or the beginning? This is just the start, friends. And this will get worse unless we do something about it, unless we take back our country at the ballot box on November 3rd and we commit ourselves to defend our rights, our rights will be taken away from us. The Constitution is the fundamental document protecting our rights. And all you have to do is look at the rhetoric of the left to understand that they see that as a prop, just like everything else. Well, I took an oath to defend that Constitution. Steve Bannon took an oath to defend that Constitution. And millions of other American men and women took the same oath. It's time for us to hold the political class to the same standards that we hold for ourselves. Get out there, do the right thing on November 3rd, and we will take back this country. We do not have to live in fear. The CDC's numbers of today prove that. And I think it should be on the front page of every paper, but it's not. Why is it not? Because it suits the objectives of the Washington Post. It suits the objectives of the New York Times. It suits the objectives of Twitter, the LA Times, etc., to suppress this information. Why? Because fear is an advantage for the party of fear. What is the party of fear? It is the Democratic Party. What did I remind you guys of yesterday? What's the theme song of the GOP? The battle hymn of the Republic, people. 
We have nothing to be afraid of. We have righteousness on our side. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, if you take it, if, if focus on targeted interventions, which we, we talked about months ago, Jack, after we came out of flattening the curve to try to get past the ICU capacity problem, if you've done targeted interventions uh, on, uh, on the elderly, on comorbidities, on minority communities, you could have gotten through this. No, but what they wanted to do was have mass hysteria. Now the blowback, uh, they realize that they have hit, just like the same thing, the progressive left always overplays their hand because of their arrogance and because they always think that the deplorables breathe through their mouths, right? They overplayed their hand with Merrick Garland, which they didn't push him hard enough because Hillary Clinton was going to win and she wanted more progressive justice. It, Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't retire. She didn't step down. She wanted one more, one more turn, one more uh, go at it, or maybe a couple, and then have Hillary Clinton replace her with more progressive uh, jurists. That's why the, there's jam in the Supreme Court. Bring the jam on the Supreme Court today. You need a justice immediately because they forced the hand with lawfare with 200 suits trying to make up all kind of new rules, all kind of new rules that you, you know, drop these ballots off by the pallet, right, at these drop boxes with these outside groups and ballot harvesting until they get enough votes to defeat Donald Trump's game day win, right? They've always, and they've got mass hysteria. 69% of Democrats don't want to vote on election day. They want to vote by, you know, by Western Union Telegraph, smoke signal, carrier pigeon, or mail-in vote, however they do it. Right, and now they're in panic mode. On Axios is reporting, they're in a mad scramble, a mad scramble to try to convince their people to reverse all the propaganda they put and try to convince them. Oh no, it's actually it's fine. It's okay. You can actually do this. Breaking news out of Florida also just reported on Politico: the voter registration of the Republicans is on fire and has closed the gap with the Democrats. They're actually in full panic mode down there right now. So this is. Uh, this is interesting to see. Bernie Sanders is now going to go uh, start preaching the gospel of, of taking the Democratic vote away, of taking the vote away. We want all the Bernie supporters to listen to see if Bernie's going to, to what is he going to talk about on the economic populism or the economic nationalism of Wilmington, you know, global corporation, concierge, Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden gave that one speech up in Scranton. Joe, that's not good enough. You can't go up and, and you know, kind of phone it in. Right, you're gonna to have to live this. Okay, we're gonna take a short commercial break. We're gonna pivot in a moment. We're gonna get Liz Yuan here. We're talking about the Chinese Communist Party taking down another massive cultural institution. That would be the Catholic Church. All next on War and Pandemic. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you are sharing, liking, subscribing, engaging. And I got two words to sum up what Steve Bannon just said: hubris. Nemesis. We'll be right back. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. This is uh, this is uh, are we back? Yeah, yeah this is Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, we tried to play that. That is uh, 
basically these white anarchists, uh, maybe a, a couple of black anarchists, uh, in the face of minority police officers. The reason the sound wasn't very good, we had to bleep out all the uh, all the profanity, the N word, everything tossed at these uh, these really these heroes, these minority cops, uh, male and female, uh, Latino, Hispanic, Asian. The abuse they get is just to me unacceptable. These people are the thin blue line. They're sitting there for the community, uh, trying to defend law and order, uh, order from chaos, and they are particularly targeted. You got to understand, just like. Black conservatives are targeted nonstop. These heroes that are uh, African American and Hispanic, uh, that are conservatives, are abused all the time in social media and in their, you know, when they go to these events uh, on the streets. You see these minority police officers, and to me, it's one of the things that's most unacceptable. But our guess is, Liz, you're when you get into the China, the CCP Vatican deal, where they're trying to destroy the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church, the, lead, the senior members of the hierarchy are cooperating. But Liz, I got to ask you. I know you're a former tough uh, prosecutor. I think when people see this, they go, "How can we allow this to happen?" I mean, these cops are not paid to do this. They're prepared. To, they're paid to defend the community. I just thought it really gets on me that that this abuse that, and they specifically target minority cops, right? And particularly if you're female, they really go after you. I've seen at least the footage I've seen. I mean, what, what do you say as a former prosecutor? Why are we allowing this to happen? I think that's that's exactly the point. You defund the police is defunding black police officers who are trying to raise a family on those salaries. And this is the point of all the riots. It's destroying the black community. It's destroying businesses in the black communities. It's trying to destroy blacks who are trying to come up through the economic system, trying to restore law and order. This is an attack by the left on the black minority community and all this violence isn't lost on the black community you know they're going to express their protest at the ballot box and the democrats better wake up because this is this is hurting the poor minority black community and the black policemen and minority policemen that are there in their neighborhoods day in and day out protecting them the average poor black needs the police to be protected from the criminal element. And the left and the Democrats, this has all been lost on them. Uh, Raheem, I know you got some uh, some breaking news you're going to be doing later on the National Poll, but I think it's important enough. Uh, I know you haven't totally worked this through, but uh, give us a tidbit of what you're going to break in the National Post later. Yeah, I'm currently looking into a story, um, several sources uh, that I'm speaking to at the moment. I'm I'm trying to confirm the specific wording of this. So bear with me on this, ladies and gentlemen. But what I'm hearing from inside uh, Fox News at the moment is that the company intends to eliminate election night calls based on exit polling and have implemented a new technology uh, which I think they're calling something like Fox News voting analysis. Uh, we're looking into what that means. We're looking into how that's going to play out. I will, uh, I will be putting some questions into Fox News um, over the course of the day to try and confirm what I'm hearing at the moment. Now, as I say, it's not confirmed, but it looks like the call that we made uh, a few weeks back by saying, you know, there aren't going to be election night calls, and especially what we... Uh, and it was actually Steve that picked this up in, in the Vox interview with Niels Gilman, uh, a few weeks back, or months back now, 
is he said it's going to come down to Fox News not calling election night for this president. And it looks like, mm -hmm. at least from what I'm hearing, Fox News may be playing ball with the Transition Integrity Project, Steve. Yeah, about a month ago, in the very lead in the Vox interview of Niels Gilman, he said the three most important people that will determine this were the two Murdochs, Lachlan Murdoch and Rupert Murdoch at Fox, and also Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg's been playing his face cards ever since then. Today they announced they're not going to take any ads that declare a winner on election night. And now you're hearing the reporting of Raheem Kassam that will be, I'm sure, firmed up by the time his show comes on at 3 o'clock uh, on uh, Real America's Voices, our channel here, the streaming platform for the Trump revolution about Fox. It looks like not going to a, uh, to a game day, at least exit polls, which seems to work pretty well in the, uh, in the past as you were finding. Um, the, uh, although the first uh, exit polls for Trump uh, weren't, that, weren't that great in 16, that's because uh, even people that voted for Trump were still afraid to say anything because they thought they'd be abused. It's even worse now. I want to put, by the way, uh, Raheem, that is a massive story, right? Yeah. That is a massive story. So just whatever you got to do to work that through in the National Pulse today, that is a, uh, for our audience, that, that's as big as it gets. Right, because that shows you, hey, you got, you got a steep hill to climb. You're going to have a steep hill to climb on this thing. But, uh, you know, the Fox team has been terrific. Tucker, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, uh, everybody over there has just been incredible. But, uh, like I said, the, Niels Gilman, these guys realize right away, they talked about it openly in an interview a month ago, that the pressure is going to be put on Lachlan Murdoch and the pressure is going to be put on Rupert Murdoch to not make election night calls. Right, and so now you're seeing this pressure become uh, even more intense. So, uh, Raheem, anything else on that before I turn back to Liz and talk about the CCP in the Vatican? No, I'm just working my sources right now, Steve. Okay, huge story. Uh, I want to go to Liz Yor and uh, Liz. Look, the Chinese Communist Party. We know they're in back of uh, elements of Black Lives Matter. Their hands are all over this disinformation in the election. A buried lead in uh, in Senator Johnson's report yesterday. The mainstream media really virtually talked about not at all, is the Biden family, I mean, really the stone-cold lie of Joe Biden saying, hey, my family's got no financial relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. Just the small reveals in that report of Hunter Biden's relationships and, his bro and uh, Joe Biden's brother's relationships with the Chinese Communist Party are pretty stunning. I will tell you, we will have further reporting on that in the days to come. There's a, uh, there's a very deep trove of information out there that ties the Biden to a direct financial relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. These people are dirty. They, they are corrupt. They're in business with the Chinese Communist Party. Johnson's report yesterday uh, alluded to that. Uh, there's going to be a lot more come out on that, a lot more substance to it. And it's shocking, and particularly shocking that Joe Biden just stood up there and laughed this off and as a bald-faced liar looks the American people in the eye and says there's no relationship. The Chinese Communist Party is everywhere with their money and their influence peddling and their information operations and quite frankly what they call BGY, this, this whole ability to uh, blackmail you on, uh, on uh, issues of sex and other things. Liz, what is going on? I know now I'm speaking every night many times a day on the plot to steal 2020. I'm also now being called to Catholic groups throughout the world, which I'm starting to do tomorrow, to talk about the Chinese Communist Party and the secret treaty. What is the Vatican doing, and why is nobody talking about the ultimate pedophile, one of the worst devils on earth, McCarrick, was the guy that negotiated this deal. And we're told by sources, not just billions of dollars of cash traded hands, 
but also it had something to do with pedophilia also. But the Chinese Communist Party knew the weakness of many of the leaders in the Vatican that negotiated this deal. Tell our audience what is going on between the Vatican and the Chinese Communist Party on this secret deal they're trying to extend. Well, Steve, the um, Global Times, the propaganda rag of the CCP, issued today um, an article, and I think it was in response to Secretary of State Pompeo's really blistering remarks with respect to the Vatican deal, where he said if the Vatican renews this deal with China, that they are, are losing all moral authority. And look, this is probably the biggest scandal next to the clergy abuse scandal in the Catholic Church. This has been an alliance of evil. And you know, Steve, everybody's talking about the uh, Catholic vote. Where's the Catholic vote going? Well, I will tell you that Catholics are very tuned in to this Vatican Chinese deal. And the choice could not be clearer. You've got Joe Biden and his family lining his po their pockets with Chinese money. And you've got President Trump and his team fighting for religious freedom, not only in the United States, but in China and around the world. And so as far as the Catholic vote is concerned, Donald Trump is doing the right thing. Secretary of State Pompeo has stung the Vatican with his remarks. They are back on their heels because of this. And, you know, they're saying, oh, the Secretary of State shouldn't interfere in diplomatic relations. Everybody will recall, and I'm sure, Steve, you remember in 2016, where Pope Francis made the remark that Christians don't build walls. That was directly related to uh, Donald Trump. So we know that Donald Trump is on the side of the angels in this battle. And the Vatican and the Chinese are in an alliance for evil. And you know what? No, the world isn't fooled. This isn't, isn't just the United States well aware of this nefarious deal that is causing untold destruction of churches. Bishops are being arrested and tortured in silence, to say nothing about what's going on in Hong Kong, silence from the Vatican. This, this is an issue that affects Catholics very deeply. They are shocked, embarrassed, and furious by what's going on with this Pope. So when, let's talk about the Catholic vote. The Catholic vote is paying very close attention to what's going on in the Vatican and what, uh, what Donald Trump is doing on behalf of life and on behalf of religious freedom. Those are the issues that impact both across Democrat and Republican Catholic voters. And Donald Trump is carrying the banner where our Pope is in an epic fall with, um, with evil. And um, as much as we're going to try and get the United States to um, express utter horror over this deal, I think it's going to go forward. And I think you'll see more nefarious deals coming out of the Vatican in October and November. Let me ask you, there's been, you know, some of the top theologians in the church, you know, Cardinal Bergen and other guys, uh, some of the bishops in Germany have put forward this thing about the Pope being, at a, being a disconnected from the actual theology of the church. We've got about two minutes, Liz. What, do you think he loses moral authority if he actually cuts his deal with the most murderous regime on earth, the most anti uh, religious, whether it's Tibetan Buddhism, whether it's the Uyghurs, whether it's underground evangelical Christians or the Catholic Church, a materialistic, atheistic dictatorship. If he cuts this deal, would he lose his moral authority? 
Yeah, I think he does. Um, he's been on a slippery slide of losing moral authority over the last seven years of his papacy. This deal is going to allow the Chinese Communist Party to ramp up torture and persecution of Christians around China. And we have se we've seen with our very eyes the destruction of Catholic churches, the removal of crucifixes and replaced with President Xi's picture. And yet the Vatican remains silent. You know, Pope Francis was going to make some remarks about what was going on in Hong Kong. He pulled those remarks at the last minute. He is losing all authority with respect to the Catholic Church. Um, Catholics, I'm hearing all over the country and, and frankly all over the world, they're turning off what he's saying. You know, this has been the Gaia-worshipping papacy. Climate change has been his theology, working hand-in-hand hand with the UN and Jeffrey Sachs. And so as a result, you know, this is not a theologian, this is a globalist, and frankly, I believe, a Marxist globalist in the chair of Peter. It's the first time we've ever seen it in the 2,000-year history of the church, but it's happening, and Catholics are relying we on gotta, Donald we gotta, Trump. We've got to go to a quick break, I guess. We'll be back. Thanks, Thanks Liz. Man. Appreciate it. War Room. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Steve, welcome back to the war room. I guess uh, I guess we lost the connection to Steve there. Do we have Steve down there? Oh, we lost the connection. Okay. Well, it's me instead. Welcome back to the war room uh, here on Thursday, uh, September the 24th, year of our Lord, 2020. You're in the war room with Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam. We'll be reconnecting with Stephen K. Bannon momentarily. And uh, I want to uh, make sure that we uh, give due deference and time to our uh, our next guest here on the show as well. Um, we have Sally Hudaya joining us Um of the uh, Voice of East Turkestan. Uh, I've just been informed as well that Stephen K. Bannon will not be able to rejoin us for this segment. So, Sally, let's bring you in here uh, and take us away. Uh, give us give us more information about uh, about what it is uh, specifically that you're, you're working on and what you're launching here. Yes, thank you for uh, having me. Uh, first of all, I want to say that, um, you know, a lot of Uyghurs are very uh, grateful and uh, they love the uh, War Room because uh, it's highlighted our issue and, uh, you know, talked about the genocide, um, you know, covered the issue much more than the uh, mainstream media. And so one of the uh, projects that the uh, East Turkestan government in exile has recently launched is a uh, multilingual uh, media network called the uh, Voice of East Turkestan. Um, it's in about six languages at the moment, in English, uh, Uyghur, um, Russian, Turkish, uh, Arabic, and Chinese. Uh, right now, uh, we're still developing um, it to uh, make it more full-time. Um, the only uh, thing full-time at the moment is the Uyghur language. Um, we do a one-week um, weekly uh, news report in the English and other languages, but as we, you know, gain more uh, traction and some support, um, we plan to 
expand it um, you know, into the other languages on a daily basis. Sorry, it's Jack. Sorry, I apologize. Oh. I was jumping in, but, but I was out, uh, we had a drop here in New York about back. And Sally, real quickly, just tell our audience, we just had Liz Yore on talking about the Vatican, the Catholic Church. We're hearing reports in East Turkestan of what's happening. How bad is the situation? There's a new report up today that's a new concentration camp being built by international corporations helping the Chinese Communist Party. How bad is the situation in East Turkestan with the Uyghurs? I mean, it's nothing less than a genocide that's going on. Um, more recently, you know, besides the, uh, the increase in the number of concentration camps that the Communist Party is building, um, they released a white paper uh, last week um, highlighting, you know, actually, you know, praising or whitewashing the uh, genocide, um, saying that every year from 2014 to 2019, 1.3 million people were sent to, uh, quote, vocational training, end quote, which is a sick euphemism for the concentration camps. Uh, we continue to receive more and more leaked videos of Uyghurs being forcibly transferred out of East Turkestan to be used as slave labor in, um, you know, Chinese factories in Chinese provinces. Uh, you have, you know, um, the UN Human Rights uh, Council, they might be visiting East Turkestan, and ahead of this, we just, I just received a video earlier today in which the Chinese Communist Party is dressing up Chinese people as Uyghurs to, you know, make it look like Uyghurs are living a happy life. Look, here's the question I, I've got. Where's the UN on this? This has been going on for years. How come they're not there? How come they haven't been all over this like they are in these other genocides throughout the world? And where is the Arab world? Where's the Muslim world? Where are the Turks? Where's Saudi Arabia? You know, the, the Saudi Arabia is the, uh, is the guardian of the two holy sites of Islam. Uh, where's UAE? Uh, where's Iran? Where's the rest of the Muslim world? I don't hear any voices. What I see is people in business. I see Iran is a business part of the Chinese Communist Party. Turkey's now getting in business with the Chinese Communist Party. The Muslim world is getting in business with the CCP. Why have they abandoned the Muslims of, uh, in, uh, in uh, East Turkestan? And why, why is the world not holding them accountable? So uh, the UN has been largely silent um, recently. Uh, China announced that, you know, it, it would invite the UN to visit, but ahead of this, you know, they're making these uh, sick changes to, you know, portray, you know, Chinese people as Uyghurs. Um, as far as the Muslim world, I mean, they have been largely silent, like you mentioned, and it's all because of Chinese money. It's all because of this Congress Party's influence and money that it's been giving to them. Uh, this, this week, you know, uh, the um, U.S. House of Representatives passed the Uyghur uh, Forced Labor Prevention Act. On the same day, Turkey opened up a, quote, China-friendly airport in Istanbul, um, you know, and with the Chinese uh, consulate general in Istanbul attending, uh, in which he uh, stated that, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm in China now. Uh, this is the type of sick things that's happening. Uh, the Islamic world has largely abandoned us because... We don't have any money to offer them, unfortunately. 
So once again, we got to jump. But tell us, how do we get to this new, this new, uh, the new program, the Voice of East Turkestan? How can people get to it? How do people get to your social media so they can follow you on this topic? So um, you can follow us on Twitter at Voet V O E T News, um, and our website is still being developed. It's VoetNews.com. Sally, thank you very much for joining us on uh, War and Pandemic. Really appreciate you coming forward. You're a great hero, very brave individual. Thank you for having me, Steve. Anybody stands up to the Chinese Communist Party, I'm telling you, they, the Chinese Communist Party plays smash mouth. That's all we know. We've got a couple minutes left. Real quickly, Raheem, give us an update on this, quite frankly, explosive story about information warfare that you're working on. Well, I've just reached out uh, to the Fox News communications team to clarify something which I heard this morning, which is that Fox is no longer going to be doing an election night call based on exit polling, which has been the traditional way uh, of doing this thing. So we'll see if that's true, what's, what specifically has happened here, um, you know, what the, what the new rules uh, are and what the methodology, this new methodology, the Fox News voter analysis is going to entail. It is disturbing, given the calls by the Transition Integrity Project for Fox to abandon election night calls for the entirety of the media to abandon election night calls. We've heard it from so many other, uh, other networks and news sources. What I can say to you is that Real America's Voice and the National Pulse and the War Room team, we will be making election night calls. So make sure you're tuned in here on November the 3rd. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., War Room Pandemic. Remember, 3 p.m., the National Pulse. See you then. <laughs>